And it's been uh, 40 year, over 40 years that we, when we attended there. And uh, the president of the school is here with us today, and his name's Kermit Bridges. And we played on the basketball team together at school. And we never got in any, any trouble. If you hear that, it's not true. And uh, he's going to come and share in just a moment. But I wanted to also mention we had a wonderful youth conference this week right here at Summit. And uh, the kids were touched. It was powerful last night. And we were blessed to have Pastor Ryan Gluth, who pastored Sitka Assembly of God, and he's also our state DYD. And so I want you to welcome Ryan today. Thank you, Pastor Milt. Um, it's been an incredible uh, weekend. We were up in Fairbanks last week also for a youth service, a couple of youth services, but uh, we're networked with a bunch of youth, youth directors from all over the country, and there's been maybe a half dozen, dozen um, camps or youth events all, I mean, for the last four months, and one of those happened right here the last couple of days, and you have an incredible youth pastor and uh, Pastor Nick and Jessica, and, and uh, it's uh, been an incredible thing to partner with them and just be here, just to serve them, and got to play the drums a little bit, uh, Jacob back there, and, and uh, Adriel as well, but uh, I'm telling you guys, what God is doing here in your students, through your leaders, um, is an incredible thing, and it's something that isn't happening everywhere. And so be praying, continue praying for this generation here in the valley, that God would continue to um, burn in them what he's been doing, right? And that the fire starters theme is such an incredible, incredibly powerful thing, and uh, what they take from here is going to go out and literally set um, things on fire, spiritually speaking, and is going to change things in the valley, right? And across Alaska, not just here in the valley, but uh, thank you, Pastor Milt. It's an honor to be here and uh, to worship with you guys, to be here this morning, and uh, thanks for just um, blessing us, so thank you. Thank you. Ryan also played drums for us this morning. He is a drummer, and our, and, uh, our normal drummer, David, wasn't able to be here today, so thank you, Ryan. Well, let's give a great big welcome to Dr. Kermit Bridges today as he comes to share the Word of God. Thank you, buddy. Well, good mornings, Summit Worship Center. It is so good to be here. Uh, Milton and Melinda are such dear friends. And uh, I tell you, we, we showed up uh, at the airport and we were, we were surprised we were t- tested for COVID. And I'm, this is not a joke, by the way. And, and so you're, you're wondering, well, what happened? Well, we got both Jan and I, we got our negative test back. So if we have COVID right now, the only people we've hung out with for the past week has been Pastor and Melinda. So I think I'm safe, right? In all seriousness, uh, the, the missionaries have taken us really all across this state. And for a Texan, that's kind of an intimidating thing. Because we like to think of everything big in Texas, but yeah, I understand you can fit I don't know how many times you can fit Texas inside uh, Alaska, and so I acknowledge that. And so, you are worthy. I way to way to go. Uh, <laughs> can't top that. Pretty pretty impressive. And another thing that was interesting. Uh, it looks like we were uh, it, we were celebrating our anniversary because Jan and I. In fact, the day we arrived, uh, it was our 35th uh, wedding anniversary. And so, uh, this has been, this has been a, a pretty cool anniversary for us. And so, again, God, God bless you. And I just love the spirit uh, in this, uh, this service today. Uh, it, it's so enriching, so encouraging. And uh, I just, uh, I, as I was thinking about Pastor and Melinda, it's, it's obvious you, you appreciate what you have in this couple, in this family. Um, you know, a lot of, I, I know probably there's a lot of people that sit in, you know, sit in a service like this and they hear a, a speaker who comes who happens to be a, a friend of the, of the pastor and, you know, maybe you're suspect of, of what they say in terms of positive things. I think you 
you know when I tell you, what, you know, I was thinking a couple of words that really describe them. The word integrity comes to mind. Uh, very strong. Uh, servant leader. I mean, this, this couple has been faithful to the call of God throughout their lives. Whatever God asked them to do, they've been willing to do it. And they do it with such a heart of love for the people that they have the privilege of serving. And so, uh, would, would you just, again, express appreciation to these dear pastors that God has placed in this body to minister? God bless you, brother. And how, you know, and again, how, how neat to, to be friends all these years. And, uh, and of course, we, yes, we did play on the, the basketball team together, but from slightly different vantage points. Uh, Milton saw legitimate playing time. I spent some quality time down on the bench uh, observing his prowess on the basketball court. <laughs> I think we were both uh, quite a bit uh, lighter in those days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after service, uh, Jan and I would love to visit with you, tell you a little bit about the school. We'll be at the, uh, the booth in the back. We've got some giveaways as long as they last, and uh, we don't intend to take any of that stuff home. So if you'd like to hear a little bit about the school, we would be pleased to visit with you. But just in a nutshell, uh, Southwestern is a, a Christian university that uh, I think I can say with confidence really shares uh, the DNA of, of Summit Worship Center with a desire to go after God, a desire that to, to go for Him and to please Him, to follow His will. That's what we're trying to instill in the lives of our students. We offer, obviously, a variety of, of academic degrees, uh, both bachelor's, master's, and, and the, even the doctor of ministry degree. Uh, our students are leaving to make a difference in this world. We feel like we've got a few moments, so to speak, to invest in them, to pour into them. And then we desperately need a generation of young people to make a difference in this world. Would you agree with that? So pray for us at Southwestern. Uh, and also, if, uh, if some of you have an interest in, in doing any uh, online studies, uh, we would love to talk to you about our distance education program. Nearly, nearly 100% of our, our offerings are available uh, through online. And maybe you'd like to finish a degree that you started at one time uh, maybe this is a window for you to uh, move into a, a career opportunity that you've been wanting to pursue you felt like you you were a right fit for if we can help you in that regard we want to do that and uh, and obviously we've had a number from this church who've actually made the trek I'm talking about uh, you know traditional college aid and they've come to southwestern and they've been such a, a blessing there and so we're not opposed to you traveling to Waxahachie, Texas, which is just a few minutes south of downtown Dallas, and we'd love to, to talk to you about that. All right, uh, let me just also kind of just state the obvious. Uh, we are in a, uh, a tragic period of time. Uh, the prayers for this nation and this world are needed now more than ever. I could, In fact, I could have spent significant time today talking about really what's at stake in the coming months and uh and we are we are in a period where the church had better wake up uh, we are on the verge of losing many liberties religious liberties that we have taken for granted as a nation and uh and you know i, I know it's it's a it's a sensitive thing to talk about uh, matters of this kind uh, from the pulpit, but I think that it's the silence from the pulpits for so long that uh, has been accepted as the norm. And then whenever anyone says something about biblical values, uh, they act as if that shouldn't even been ad be addressed uh, from the pulpit. Well, don't you know, if you're, if you're getting worried right now, if you're kind of stressing, you know, getting a little anxious, I'm not going to spend the rest of my time. But let me tell you something. It would not be wrong at all for you to hear a message on biblical values and what's at stake when you vote. You want to vote your values. And in other words, you're salt and light when you go to the polls. Just as you're salt and light when you walk uh, and, and in the course of your daily lifestyle. So let's pray.
pray for our nation. Oh my goodness, God help us. I want to talk to you today about a topic that ultimately, I believe, is going to make a difference in our ability to be a blessing to this nation, to bring about the awakening that we just sung about. Because let me tell you, you a lot of people we talk about, uh, you know, in fact, we're saying there, God brings signs and wonders. And, and, and some of us are really comfortable with the idea of God, you know, uh, you know, basically blacking out the sun, moving, you know, moving, you know, holding the stun in one place and allowing time to go by. There's all kinds of miracles we'd like to see to get the attention of all uh, people that don't know the, the Lord. But guess what? God really desires to do that miraculous work through you and through me. And let me talk to you a little bit today about that. This topic is, it either excites Christians or it scares them. I have a feeling that most of the people in this room are comfortable with what I'm be, I will be talking about. Others get a little anxious. Others consider it controversial. It's one of the central tenets of our church's faith. If you go to the Summit Worship Center website, you look for the What We Believe section, you would find this address there. If you went to the SAGU website and found our core values, you would see this addressed. Would anyone care to guess what I'm referring to right now? How about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Now this doctrinal teaching is unique to churches who fall under this umbrella of Pentecostal spirit-filled churches. Uh, of the various denominations, networks, fellowships, individual churches that are considered spirit-filled, the Assemblies of God Worldwide Fellowship would be the, the largest individual group of churches in that mix. So why does our church emphasize this teaching? Why, I would tell you, is because Jesus emphasized this teaching. And in fact, the apostles emphasized this teaching. And over the next half hour or so, I'm going to do my best to answer the question, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? Media, way to go up there. You are right on track. And I realize some, some people get hung up on the, on the word Pentecostal because some associate it with uh, legalism, some associate it with you know, conservative dress, some associate it with a particular kind of worship. Well, if that's you, learn to distinguish between the term Pentecostal and maybe habits or actions or behavior of individuals who have referred to themselves as Pentecostal. And if you're still hung up, and you don't want to use the word Pentecostal, well, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered are perfectly good terms. It is a shame that the term Pentecostal carries negative baggage because it actually goes back to the modern Pentecostal revival that began in 1901. First of all, in Topeka, Kansas, it moved shortly to Houston, and most, it's most familiar, and it had its most impact in Los Angeles in the Azusa Street Mission that began around 1906, 1907, and then it just literally went around the world. The name comes from the occasion of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit recorded in Acts chapter 2. It occurred on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, being one of the major Jewish holidays. This outpouring or infilling didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2, but we see instances of it throughout the book of Acts. Multiple occasions. It transformed the early believers. It provided supernatural power. They were able to experience healings, to see miracles. And the end result, within two and a half centuries, the Roman Empire was majority Christian. We believe, so, so you think about this. Think about the paganism of the Roman Empire. And then we think about what we're facing in our society today with its godlessness, with its secularism, with, with all the chaos, all the division, God is still able to bring about a miracle. And we can't lose faith in that. The infilling of the Spirit transformed those believers. We believe the modern Spirit-filled revival that began in 1901 is a continuation of that early church Pentecostal revival. And as of 2011, you know, 27% of all Christians in the world are considered Pentecostal spirit-filled. 
That is, they embrace the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're wondering, so where are you coming up with these numbers? That's Pew Research Center, one of the most respected organizations with regard to demographic research. It was a 2011 study entitled Global Christianity, a report on the size and distribution of the world's Christian population. So today, 119 years later, after 1901, over one in four Christians worldwide identify with the Pentecostal Spirit-filled church. See, the modern Pentecostal revival, it returned the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It, it restored an emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit, empowerment for witness, You can't turn a page in Acts without seeing the third person of the Godhead, that is the Holy Spirit, at work in the lives of early believers. They were dependent on the Spirit. They had listened carefully to what Jesus had said in John chapter 16. He said the Holy Spirit would come to replace him, would be their, the Greek term is paraclete. Depending on the version of the Bible that you you have, it's, it's translated advocate comforter, friend. There in chapter 16, verse 13, he's described as the spirit of truth with the promise that he is going to guide us into truth. As Jesus prepared to ascend to heaven with those witnesses surrounding him, he carefully instructed them, wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And this baptism in the Spirit, he said, would provide them with power. And the major power was for a very specific purpose that he made clear at that time. The power to witness. The power to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they took those instructions seriously. They waited for the outpouring to occur. And you'll note here on this slide, you see terms that are synonymous. Gift of the Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit, spirit baptism. These are, again, terms, phrases that refer to the same experience. And when it did happen on the day of Pentecost, Peter emphasized that the gift was not just for those who had been following Jesus up to that time or for the super spiritual Christians. No, it was for everyone. Listen to this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know, American Express don't, says don't leave home without their credit card. Many of us carry an American Express card in our pocket right now. Well, the early church was never without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just look at this sampling from the first half of the, of the book of Acts. In chapter 4, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit as he is addressing the Jewish leaders. In, in chapter 5, Peter, through the discerning work of the Spirit in him, enabling him to understand and see, he knew Ananias was lying to the Spirit. In chapter 6, the deacons had to be full of the Spirit. In chapter 7, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit when he preached to the Sanhedrin and was, and was martyred. In chapter 8, it was the Spirit that directed Philip the Evangelist to go and speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. In chapter 13, it was, Holy, it was the Holy Spirit who said, set apart Barnabas and Paul. In the latter part of 13, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, challenges the sorcerer Elimus. You see... The major decisions of the early church were based on whether, I love this phrase, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You see, in the early church, the Holy Spirit was a big deal. So I've got a question for you. If the Holy Spirit was a big deal to the early church, what makes us think that it should be anything but a big deal to us? You know, the book of Acts contains the history of the early church. Every conversion account that provides specific details calls attention to the fact that these new believers were also baptized in the Spirit with the the apostles, the 120 on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Samaritans who are responding to the ministry of Philip in Acts 8. The apostle Paul. In, in Acts 9, Cornelius and his household in Acts 10, the Ephesian converts that Paul encounters in Acts chapter 19. The scriptures there, you know, obviously I'm 
I'm throwing a lot of information at you. If you want this PowerPoint, I'd be happy to provide it for you. Uh, later, I can, I can leave it with Pastor and make that available. You can look through those instances. It's, but my, my point is, I'm, I'm trying to drive home a message here. Uh, you know, there's general agreement on the Holy Spirit's role in a lot of things. In other words, we could show up at just about any church here in Wasilla. And uh, if you talked about the role of the Holy Spirit to convict the believer of sin and lead them to salvation, everyone would, everyone would be good with that. No matter what the denominational stripe, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be good with that. Uh, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, that moment when you accept Christ. Of course, we evangelicals like to talk about it as being born again. That moment when our spirit man is resurrected. We're pretty good, everyone. That, that, that work of the Spirit is pretty clear. The sanctifying work of, of God in our lives and the Spirit's role in that to, as we grow in maturity. That, again, a pretty common understanding. The helping role of the Spirit. We talked about it just a few moments ago with the passages from John uh, chapter uh, 14. The, the imparting gifts for ministry. Even, even the service gifts that we read about in Romans chapter 12, service, teaching, mercy, contributing, encouragement, leadership, you know, across this globe, you've got believers in churches who are exercising those gifts that the Holy Spirit has made possible to be at work in the body of Christ. So, again, no, no really division about that. The disagreement is over exactly what's being talked about by baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's no debate over the fact that there is a baptism in the Spirit. The question really comes down to when does it occur and how do you know you got it? And the next few minutes may sound a little bit like a classroom. I hope I can uh, give it with just enough uh, zeal, just enough passion to not lose your attention, but I would hope also that you've got the ability to turn on your intellect every once in a while and grasp the things about Scripture that need to be grasped. There's nothing wrong with education. So, let's begin with timing. When does spirit baptism occur? Is it synonymous with or subsequent to salvation? In other words, do you get the entire package at once? Or is spirit baptism a separate event? And that's why in some churches, there's never a, really a, a, a separate prayer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because in that church's theology, they believe that you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit simultaneously with salvation. But when you study the conversion experiences recorded in Acts, it becomes very difficult to avoid the pattern that you see because the evidence points to a separate event. And look at, this, look at this chart here. Whether you're talking about the apostles among the 120, scholars are pretty clear that what Jesus did in John chapter 20, verse 22, was the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In other words, that was, that was the first born-again experience of the New Testament era. But then they turn around and are filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.4. What about the Samaritan revival? A clear distinction there. Under Philip, when he was preaching to them, they accept Christ. But it wasn't until Peter and the apostles arrive a few days later and pray for them that they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Read the passage. It's very clear. What about Paul? Uh, from the moment, sometime between, the moment he's knocked off his horse by the risen Lord on the road to Damascus and the time he gets there to uh, Damascus, he accepts Christ. Now, why do you say that, Bridges? Well, one of the reasons why is because when Ananias goes to pray for him there in verse 17 of chapter 9, how does he refer to Saul, who would become Paul? Brother. Brother Saul. The Ephesian converts. Again, clear distinction. In fact, that, that one is the one that, boy, it, it really drives home the distinction between uh, the, 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 the salvation experience, the baptism in the Spirit experience. So, so then the next question is, again, you know, parts the, 
uh, parts the waters between individuals and their belief systems, it's, it's really kind of fundamental to our church. How do you know you've been baptized in the Spirit? Do you simply have an assurance that it has happened? Or is there some evidence or proof? Is it simply having one of the gifts? Or is it a, a specific gift? So again, when you examine the biblical record, the evidence shows that the believers spoke in tongues. To the 120, Acts 2.4, it's pretty obvious. Cornelius' household, Ephesian converts. Tongues are implied with the Samaritans. You say, how do you, how, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, it's, it's pretty clear. Simon the sorcerer witnessed the new converts being baptized in the Spirit when the apostles prayed for them. And what did he do? He offered them money. He offered them money for the power to do that. So if this was, just some, if this was simply an inner assurance that those, those, those converts had that they had been saved, what is, he gonna, what is there to pay money for? No, there was a sign accompanying that. And in fact, even, even biblical scholars who don't share our faith tradition with regard to spirit baptism, they acknowledge that what Simon obviously saw in that instance was glossolalia, speaking in tongues. Though the account of the Apostle Paul's spirit baptism in Acts 9 does not mention tongues, it's logical to assume that he did speak in tongues. In fact, he claims it in 1 Corinthians 14. I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, I fully agree that it's dangerous to base any doctrine of the church on human experience alone. But when you've got experience that is validated by the biblical record, that's a, that's a pretty powerful confirmation. And that's the case for the evidence of tongues that is experienced by millions of believers today. Now, some accuse Pentecostals of spiritual arrogance by suggesting that being spirit-filled makes us the only ones who have this spiritual access, the only ones that have the power uh, that comes along with witnessing. And, and I just want to remind you, our church doesn't make any such claim. When it comes to evangelism, for example... We recognize God is using believers in other traditions to effectively share the gospel. I mean, I mean everyone, everyone very quickly throws out the name of, of Billy Graham. That's a, that's a pretty powerful illustration right there of the fact that the work of evangelism, God, God can use anyone in the church that he desires to do so with. Skeptics point to some spirit-filled believers whose witness is anemic. It's lacking. May that never be said of us. And they use that to discredit our message. But you know, even a spirit-filled believer who's been filled with the Spirit, that is, and, and spoken in tongues, you've got to daily avail yourself of the power that God makes available to you. If you refuse to step out in fear and share the gospel message, that's, that's on you. That's not on the Spirit and, and I think we have to also be, be fair here, even though there are, there are spirit-filled believers that are unwilling to be used of God to witness, the same can be said of many non-Pentecostals as well. But you can't dismiss the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You just, at the very, when he said, you will receive power, I mean, was he just blowing smoke? No, at the very least, there is additional power that comes with this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I previously cited that the one in four Christians worldwide, a little better than that, are spirit-filled and as an evidence of the fact of this power to witness. You know, according to that 2011 Pew Research study, by 2025, they're saying one in three Christians will be spirit-filled. So how else does one explain the exponential growth of the Pentecostal Spirit-filled church from 1901 to this day other than to acknowledge the fact that there is something to this supernatural power? You with me on that? Anybody asleep yet? Don't go to sleep on me. You know, I, I go into... <laughs> it's amazing the things that you see in a classroom. You know, even, even at a Christian university, you know, uh, of course, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I feel really good right now. I don't see anybody with a cell phone out. Thank you. Thank you for not being distracted by that, that evil device 
that is so tempting to all of us. I've even even walked through a, you know, we've got a a hallway, some of our classrooms, and so the the desks are actually turned, they're turned away from you. So when you look in, you know, you can see the prof uh, looking your way, and I've actually, I've actually caught a a student playing solitaire. Uh, I don't know why I got off on that, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, Neither do Pentecostals suggest that we're the only ones with access to the nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. These are referred to manifestation gifts in view of their supernatural dimension. Here's, you know, gifts like word of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. Now, in other words, God can use anyone he so chooses to use. We accept that. I, I think it's also safe to say that these gifts are most commonly exercised among believers who actually expect to witness the supernatural power of the Spirit. Uh, this is not as common in churches that really are avoiding the teaching or explaining away this teaching, perhaps uh, that it, it was for another era in church history. You know, some, some have taught that, that that was the case that these gifts were only for the early church. You may have run into such teaching. Most biblical scholars, even those that would disagree with our, our view on spirit baptism, they, that's called cessationism. There's very few legit biblical scholars today that buy into to that kind of a teaching. That was, it was more prevalent you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, earlier I mentioned some of the baggage associated with the term Pentecostal. And there are some misconceptions, and we, we need to be aware of them, be clear on them. Being, being Pentecostal is more than just being able to explain the theology. In other words, you've got to do, you need to do more than be able to point to the passages that I've just been talking about for the last several minutes and prove or call attention to this pattern to actually be Pentecostal. Pentecostal is about actually experiencing it. Being Pentecostal is more than a one-time experience. Baptism in the Spirit, got that, good to go, move on. No, we are to be continually refilled with the Spirit. It's more than just speaking in tongues. I mean, I can't, it's it's tragic to see the number of Pentecostal believers that think all they got to do is just check a box. Well, I got that. I stammered a little bit at youth youth camp, you know, and and so I'm I'm good to go. My my goodness, the, the, the... your prayer language, that's one of the most powerful weapons you have. That's something that you, can, you, you should be using daily in your devotional life. It is a, it is a powerful way to connect with God and to, to, to sense his, his direction in your life and, and, and specific guidance. But even, but even tongues, as we know, that's not proof of spiritual growth. We'll get to that in just a few moments. Being Pentecostal is more than just exercising a lot of spiritual gifts in a local church. Now, there are many churches that would benefit greatly if the Spirit would be able to move in those services. But, but as we know, I mean, in fact, this was the problem with the church in Corinth. They had taken the gifts to an extreme, and Paul had to challenge and direct them on that. And so that's not a sign of a spiritually mature congregation, necessarily. It's more than a demonstrative style of worship. Now, we like to think. I mean, at least for, I'm, I'm very comfortable in a demonstrative worship uh, environment. I, in fact, the, the, I mean, I, I can appreciate quiet and reflective, but I like to engage a little bit more. But we, we, we who like to engage a little bit more, we also have to acknowledge that that is not necessarily a sign of spiritual maturity and being Pentecostal. So what does it mean to be Pentecostal? It means being continually dependent on the Spirit at all times. Continually dependent on the Spirit at all times. That sounds so simple, but let me tell you something. That is very profound. It means being sensitive and responsive to the Spirit every single day. Every moment. I mean, I know, I know it's kind of... But the, the point is, are you living your daily life 
with an understanding of that dimension, that spiritual dimension. It's not, it's not being off in, you know, in, 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 you know, you're not a spiritual, we like to go, spiritual uh, ozone warriors, you know. It's not, it's not being so, you know, so out of touch with what's going on that you appear weird, okay? It's, it's, but it's, it's understanding. In fact, you know, let's, let's face it. The weird can turn off a lot of unbelievers. And, uh, and yet at the same time, I'm going to come around in just a few moments, some of us have got to be willing to step out in faith a little bit, even at the risk of appearing weird. It's a balance. It's a balance. And guess how you know how to balance it? The Spirit nudging you and directing you. And you learning to discern between whether this is me and my flesh or whether this is the Spirit of God that's guiding me. Uh, we face two basic choices every single day. It's, it's laid out here by Paul in Romans 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature, that is the flesh, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. According to the flesh, according to the Spirit. According to the flesh is according to my desires. According to the Spirit is according to the way the Holy Spirit is guiding us to fulfill the purpose and will of our, our God in our lives. When we live according to the Spirit, then we're going to recognize how God is working in us every aspect of our lives. We're going to recognize how He's working uh, within us. I mean, guiding us in our, our walk, growing closer with our families. He's, we're going to see how he works within us. We're going to see how he works with us in the setting of, uh, of others, in the marketplace, with, uh, at your job, at school, with friends, with the people you encounter at Walmart or wherever you go. You'll also begin to see how he works with you as we interact with the, within the body of Christ. And that is also a very unique and special responsibility that we have for one another. And one thing that I have noticed uh, since, since the moment Jan and I walked in here, my goodness, the, just the sense of love and compassion uh, that has uh, been, you know, and I realize that maybe a lot of you recognize me as the visiting guest speaker. <laughs> but I have a feeling it was not put on. It wasn't put on. And I, and I really appreciate that. So here's, here's three things. The Holy Spirit wants to do in you. He wants to form a Christ-like character. He wants to help you receive the word of God like you're doing today and apply it. Apply it in your life. Why? So you can experience spiritual maturity and growth. And how will you know that you're growing in your spiritual maturity? Well, I hope we've learned enough up to this point to know not by just the fact that you've checked the box of speaking in tongues. No, it's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against these things there is no law. That, I tell you what, you, you want to know. I mean, as, as much as we, I mean, you hear me. I am very much Pentecostal, very much a believer in our Pentecostal theology, very much a believer in operating in, in spiritual gifts. But my goodness, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life, then please just Go get in a closet and stay there. And don't come out because you're going to mess things up for everybody. I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how to say it any more, than, any more clear than that. Uh, you know, God doesn't expect perfection. He understands that's, that's really an impossibility for us as a, as a fallen creature. But God forbid that there's no evidence of growth in our lives. So ask the Holy Spirit to cause this fruit to be evident in your life. A second thing that the Holy Spirit wants in you is that you would be, and I would be, a courageous witness. I want to, I want to tell you, friends, th this, is where, th this is where I think we're going to have to wake up. And, and this, is, this is waking up in terms of the, the Pentecostal church. It's wa it, this is wake up, church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Wake up. We sit around, I mean, we... Okay, I, believe me, I, this is not, this is not a, a negative statement. But we sing about the move of God. We sing about an awakening. We are part of the awakening. We are the vessel that God wants to use for the awakening. 
how do you think these people are going to get saved? You're just hoping they're going to turn into a, a Christian television show? You think that's going to do the trick? No, it's, it's going to be because you and I have compassion enough to reach out to them. And it may be, it actually may require being their friend before you earn the right to talk to them and share your faith. But they're definitely going to be watching your life. And they want to see a life that actually care, that demonstrates you, you care about people. I mean, the acts of kindness. I mean, God, God help us to, to step out there in our, in our witness. You may be the best chance someone has of ever accepting Christ as their Savior. You. I'm, not, I'm talking about you. There's somebody out there in this world in which you will be the best chance. Not pastor, missioner, not, not members of the staff, not, not the worship team, not the greeters. You. Because guess what? All these other people, they don't have the connection with that person that you do. And that's the reason why we, we need, and, and we're pretty intimidated by that, and we should be. Because when you think about the fact that the eternal destiny of the soul may, of a, a person's soul may be a factor. That's not to say we're, we're at fault. I mean, ultimately, that, that individual, it's his or her decision to make. But I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God and hear him say, you know, my grace was enough to save you, but you sure blew it right there. I, uh, I don't want to paint a picture of, of, of heaven that suggests that, you know, we're going to be, there's going to be a lot of condemnation. But I can't hardly help but think when you understand the, the judgment seat of Christ, where people are going to be rewarded and acknowledge for what they did with their lives that had an eternal investment. Uh, this is not intended to be condemning at all. I, if anything, this is a sobering moment for me, too. Um, I just want to be found uh, with him saying, well done. I want, I want to hear... I, I want to know that I made, a, I made an effort. I, I did my best. And I'll tell you something. My best is not going to be enough without the power of the Holy Spirit helping me. We've got to rely, rely on this third person of the Trinity who's there to make a difference in our lives. You know, Acts 4, the early believers were intimidated. You know, they had been filled with the Spirit. I mean, just a few weeks before, they'd, they'd been a part of that upper room experience. And here they are, they're intimidated already. They had to pray. They prayed for more boldness. They needed more. So don't be ashamed that you're a little intimidated by saying something or reaching out to somebody. But pray and ask God to help you. We, we need that. And if, you know, because I tell you, uh, they may not know they need, need the help that you have to offer. But uh, you do, and doing nothing is not an option. So the final thing I want to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit wants to flow through your life with spiritual gifts. And the, 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 the Greek phrase there is charismata. You've heard that before. It, that's what, where we get charismatic. Uh, you see it mentioned several times there in 1 Corinthians 12. And most of us get intimidated when it comes to gifts that have a supernatural dimension uh, to them. You know, like the nine in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, these nine, they divide up into three groups of three. Uh, a revelation emphasis, power emphasis, utterance uh, emphasis. And I realize they scare, uh, can, they can scare. But they don't have to be spooky and they don't have to be weird. So let me talk to you about them just a few moments. Let's look at this first group, message of wisdom, message of knowledge. It might be a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, depending on the version that you have. Distinguishing between spirits or discernment. Now, this group assists individual believers and the church in revealing very poor, important, useful information. Uh, and I'm talking about a wisdom and an insight that goes beyond your accumulated years of experience. It goes beyond what you picked up in terms of academics and education. Uh, it's a knowledge and understanding that provides information, perspective that you don't have access, that I don't have access to in the natural realm. 
And that, that doesn't mean to say that it's going to be this, you know, this heavily knowledge, this thing that, you know, you know once, you, once it comes, once you receive it, it, it may seem like, oh, duh, yeah. But, but we, we weren't in a position to get there in and of ourselves. And that's where the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit comes in to help us. Um, would it be nice to have access to that kind of information on a regular basis? Well, guess what? We've got access to that kind of information on a regular basis. We just got to get better at tuning into the Holy Spirit and receiving it. It's available. Uh, you know, have you, have you ever been praying and, and you got this, and it might not even been praying. You may just suddenly you had this impression that a person that you know was in need of prayer or that you, you had a sense that they were in danger or concern. Ever had that experience? You've heard stories about it, I'm sure. Testimonies. And I, 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 I was thinking, I actually had that experience as like a seven, eight-year-old uh, where I was at, at my grandparents and I felt suddenly that we needed to pray for uh, some family members that were traveling toward us. Well, that really got the attention of my grandmother because I didn't, you know, the way I presented that, it just, it was very clear to her, being a spirit-filled woman, that, that God was up to something and using a child to do it. As it so happened, at that moment, my relatives were in a car accident. I, I just was talking to a, uh, a gentleman who's a, 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 just a great blessing to our university, and he was talking about, he was, he was actually working in uh, I believe he was, he was actually working in Somalia back in the in the 70s with a, with an oil company, and and he he was in a situation where he sensed it was a little you know a little uncertain a little scary, uh, but it wasn't until he got home, and his pastor said, "Carl, what were you doing at this day at this time?" And Carl just immediately recognized that that moment was that moment where he was, he was actually in a cab uh, with, that was, he was beginning to be uncertain that it was a legitimate cab. And that pastor, other side of the globe, prayed and brought people together to pray for Carl. And Carl is convinced. I mean, you've, you've, you've seen these examples. God uses his people in that way. Don't, when you get a impression like that don't just discard it understand this is the way God could be using you to be a part of a miracle in someone else's life uh, we've we've wrestled we've prayed about issues about people and suddenly God gives us insight gives us a kind of a clue into a problem that might exist there, and suddenly you're in a better position to be able to minister to that person. You see, what I've just described to you right now, that doesn't have to be spooky. That doesn't have to be weird. That's just, that's just you and I recognizing, wait a minute, I, the Lord's kind of talking to me here, and hey, we need, let's get some folk together. We need to pray about this. Does that sound crazy? Sounds perfectly natural to me. I would suggest that many times we benefit from gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment in our everyday lives, and we unknowingly attribute them to experience or intuition. I mean, if you're a spirit-filled believer, I'm believing God can work through me. And guess what? He can work through you too. And you know the reason why we mistakenly assume that it's intuition? Because too often, what we're expecting is spiritual strobe lights to accompany this impression. You know, an angelic choir singing. You know, the heavens opening up, sunshine beaming down. Duh! God here talking. Let's get engaged. That's not typically the way it happens. So don't be surprised if the impression that you have. Let's look at this, the second group. Of three, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers. Now, this obviously involves God working in a more demonstrable fashion. And the, the mig biggest mistake that you'll make is concluding that no way this could ever work uh, with me. God's not going to use me as an instrument. But please, ask for faith. 
Because there are people that are hurting. There's people that need healing. There's people that need miraculous works. They, they need the church. They need the body of Christ to engage and help. And guess what? I'm not just talking about those of you who are part of this body. You should have that, that kind of a focus on, on your neighbors. On the, I mean, how about a stranger on the street? I can't help. I find myself, I see, I see somebody walking along, and suddenly I feel the Lord. You pray for that person. Pray for them. I may, not, I may not feel led to pull over the car and actually stop, but I am breathing a prayer for that individual. God help them. God help them. Uh, people are hurting. I, I realize God does not heal every time that we pray. But the Bible says that he does heal. And I hope you, like me, have experienced the healing hand of God at work in your lives or in the lives of others. And hopefully that gives you faith to keep on praying. I, I was on this flight to, to New Orleans there a number of years ago. I was going down to participate in a in some meetings in a group of churches and I had a terrible headache and it was a, it was a Southwest Airlines flight and I was sitting next to this sweet uh he was, I'd say she's probably a grandmother a sweet African-American lady and uh and I really I hadn't talked to her through, through the plane ride you know um I I, I want to believe that if the Lord had said have a conversation with that lady I I would have done it uh, but in this instance, I had not. But I had, a, I had a terrible headache. I mean, it was it was pretty significant, more than what my you know extra strength Tylenol would take care of. And uh, toward the end of that flight, that little lady just turned to me and and just said, "Do you mind?" And she reached up and put her hand on my on the side of my head. I didn't have to guess that she was praying for me and you know what else all of a sudden that pain subsided I hope every day of my life that I live in such a way that I've got the kind of faith and the kind of expectation to see God move that I'm not ashamed to pray for a stranger even if they haven't asked me to pray for them now I realize you can't go putting your hand especially in this day and age you can't go putting your hand on somebody i don't i'm not i'm not suggesting that we do that you might want to ask permission uh but you know what god god will work through us so put your inhibitions aside check and sometimes you got to check you got to check the intellect at the door you've got to Sometimes you've got to disregard common sense. Test the Spirit. Pray. But boy, if the, if the Spirit is persisting and saying, this is what you need to do, then do it. Do it. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I'm running out of time, Pastor. Let me wrap this thing up. This group of gifts, of course, is intended uh, for operation in the local church or in a small group of believers interesting though i want you to take note out of these nine supernatural gifts these are the only three that are exclusively for use in the local body now the rest can be used but it leads me to believe that we mean we need to be reminded the gifts are for the marketplace the gifts are for where are for where evangelism is taking place the gifts or where we're having the opportunity to impact those outside these walls. We've all seen people who abuse these gifts. But I hope you've seen enough people that have been operating in them in a right-on manner. Because it's a powerful thing. Don't allow poor examples to cause you to shy away from spiritual gifts. Especially these gifts. You know, many get confused about the... The difference between tongues listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, also known as a, a message in tongues, and the tongues are prayer language that each one of us receive when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now remember, a, a message in tongues is intended to occur in a gathering of believers. It's intended to be accompanied by the, the companion gift of interpretation. That can be a real blessing. It can even be a sign to unbelievers when it is interpreted. 
when it's not interpreted, at best it's neutral for the congregation and it can be a distraction, a hindrance, a confusing point for the unbeliever. So that's the reason why they're, that's a companion gift. Tongues, interpretation, in a church setting. Now, understand that's, again, that is not the, that is not the prayer language, the gift of tongues that we receive at, uh, at our, our spirit baptism when we, and the one that we pray in on a daily basis. That's for our private devotions. It's for a, it, it can be for a worship setting like here, especially as long as it doesn't become a distraction for unbelievers. So when most Pentecostals understand that distinction, they breathe a sigh of relief. Even Pentecostals. Well, thank the Lord. I'm not going to be used in that gift of tongues and that interpretation. I'm going to leave that to pastor. I'm going to leave that to the spiritual special forces in the church. And you know who they are. God will never use me that way. Oh, don't say God will never use me. And also, don't put yourself in a position that you're unwilling to be used. What, the, the impression that you have could be a major source of encouragement. It could be a major source of hope. Uh, you, you might be amazed at how God could use you. And by the way, uh, a booming voice, uh, King James English, uh, with a tag of thus saith the Lord, that, that, that might be appropriate for you. Uh, that's not prescribed. You do understand that, don't you? God speaks to us through our own personality, through our own words. Don't, don't try to put something on. Just, just share out of your own heart. Share what you feel like God's putting you. And, and by the way, if, you're, if you have uncertainty about that, that's why you can go to pastor and you can say, look, pastor, I feel, I feel an impression here. I either have a word here or I feel like I'm supposed to give a message in tongues. And, and he can help confirm that. He can also help with the timing of it when it would be appropriate. Again, if you have those kind of questions. But my goodness, don't be restricted to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. So, we're the body of Christ. We're to be His hands. We're to be His voice. We're to be His feet. We're to live by the Spirit's nudge. Can you feel the Spirit's nudge? My goodness, that's what I've been talking about all morning. And here it is afternoon. Let's live by the Spirit's nudge. Be aware. Be aware. He's working all around us. He's working all around us. I'm not trying to be spooky, but guess what? He is working all around us. Start each day with prayer. If you're concerned about wanting to be reminded of, you know, and be ready, well then ask God daily, Lord, I want to be ready. Help me to know it. I don't want to miss it when, you're, when your nudge comes. Step out in faith obedience when it does come. Because you're going to be tempted. You're going to say, oh, that's not God speaking to me. No, that's just me. That's just me. No, no, no. I just, I, I just, I'm just feeling this way because I heard that, that guy from Texas talking about it this last week. No. Step out in faith obedience and depend on the Spirit's power. In other words, depend on the fact that when you step out, God's going to be faithful enough to step forward and be a part of the miracle that you, you get to, to, to be a part of. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Praise God. Praise God. I, I, let me just pray with you for a few moments. In fact, I, as, as I pray, I want, I want you to consider the kind of the, the position that you're in here today. You know, there are folks that are, I mean, all this message was, was just a confirmation of what you already know. There, there are folks here that, man, you, you flow in the gifts. I mean, you are, you are on board. You're making it happen. Uh, you're, you're, you're open. You're ready. What, what is my word to you? Keep on keeping on. And then there, there are those here that uh, you're, you're spirit-filled. And, and you're, you're, you're doing your best to serve the Lord. But you've listened to this sermon today and, and you recognize, you know, God just very well maybe wanting to move me to a, a different level. Uh, a level where I'm, I'm willing to actually step out. I'm, when I see someone or when I have the opportunity, I am willing to step out and pray with them. I'm willing to share the gospel with them. I tell you what, that is something that every one of us have got to buy into. 
I have to tell you, it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to share our faith. This world is not going to come to Christ on their own. They're going to come to Christ through you and I. And then there's some of you that maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's, something, it's been a frustration to you. And, and that, in fact, you've, you've sat here and you go, I, I believe it. I've, I've been listening to it being taught, preached about for many, many years. And, uh, and I've, I just, I've been frustrated because I go forward, I pray, and, and just, it just doesn't seem to happen. Here's what I want to encourage you. When you're seeking, even if you haven't received at this point, this is what I tell students. With that heart of hunger, you're closer to God than you've ever been. Stay close to God. He's going to take care of the rest. There may be some things that, that you, you through, through some, some counseling and things, that, but, but continue to go after God. So here's what I'd like to ask. I, I'd, I'd like to ask uh, for those that they're ready to, they're ready to step forward. And begin to be used in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether to witness. Whether to be used in a gift of the Spirit. Uh, but you're, you're saying, Lord, I want to make sure that I am able and willing to respond to the nudge of the Spirit. I, I want you to stand up. And then, I, and then I, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask those of you who you'd like, to, you'd like us to pray with you this morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be uh, responsible here. We're, we're, uh, we understand, uh, although I don't see a whole lot of social distancing going on here, but we're, but we're, we're not going to spit in your face or anything, okay? And in fact, uh, but we're, we're going we're to ask that if you, if you do come forward that you, you do spread out. But I, I'd, I'd like us to... I'd like us to pray with, with you. And for those of you who are standing and you, you stood for that first uh, area of prayer, just begin to just say, God, and maybe those, those points that I, in fact, put on those, those, uh, those la- if you haven't uh, taken the slide, put on those last four points, uh, uh, that last slide there. And then just begin to pray those, those points there and ask the, ask the Lord to, to begin to make you conscious of what he's doing on a day-to-day basis. But if, you're, if you want to come and be, be prayed for here to be filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? I got news for you. <clears throat> we don't even have to, we don't have to touch you. You do know this. It's, it's, it's not a power in me or, or we're not the ones that are doing the baptism, the baptizing. You do know that, don't you? We're just, we're just there encouraging you. We're cheerleaders. We're saying it's, it's God that's doing the work. So if you'd like to come forward right now, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. All right? Amen, amen, brother. And, and uh, Mitch, go ahead and uh, begin to play a little bit there. And, uh, and then again, as we, as we pray for these brothers, you just, you reach out, you pray for them as you're praying as well for God to use you in a very unique and special way. All right, let's look to the Lord right now. And I, I just want to encourage you guys that have come forward. Just, and, and Pastor, uh, in fact, you might have, you might have a, a word to, to share with them about, uh, uh, about receiving the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you like to, to share with them a little bit? Yeah. Father, we, we come to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We, we place our lives before you. We know that there is nothing more important nothing more important than you moving in our lives every day thank you for your word and we thank you for the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit we invite you to move in this place yes God we want we want to fill your presence here these are energizing times we're grateful for encountering you being in your presence but that encounter is for a purpose and that purpose is to go out energized, empowered to make a difference in the world. I pray for these who've come forward right now. Just stretch out your hands toward these. I just pray that each one of these individuals wants to receive your Holy Spirit, the infilling gift of the Spirit. 
God, just touch him in Jesus' name. Just receive. Just receive. Begin to, first of all, begin to praise him. Uh, because our, our tongues are, our, our tongue, our prayer language, it's, it's, uh, it's praise, it's prayer. So just begin to praise the Lord uh, in your own words. In, uh, as, and just tell, tell God how wonderful he is. Express how, and, and, don't, and, and let me encourage you. Even though it, you're a little, you may be a little intimidated with this, speak out. And, and, and maybe, church, if we could raise our volume level just a little bit right now, they won't feel so intimidated about praying out and speaking forth their praise, okay? I'm not talking about yelling, not talking about shouting, but let's, we, we want to create an atmosphere here that where they're comfortable to begin to, to seek the Lord. Father, we just look to you right now. We give you praise. Oh, God, oh, God, you are wonderful. You are wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, yes, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in our lives. And we invite you right now, Lord, to move across this congregation. Encourage us, encourage us toward you. (laughs) And for these, God, that are praying for that gift, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Fill them, fill them. Thank you, O Lord. Just begin to praise Him. And as as you praise Him in in English, and you reach a point where you're uncomfortable, just begin to to speak out in a heavenly language with what you feel within you. The words may sound odd. They'll sound strange. But trust the Lord and begin to share it. Thank you, O God. How good you are. How good you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.